Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. I'd like to introduce Gary from Scotland, who takes LDM for multiple sclerosis. Thank you for joining me, Gary. Hi, thank you. Could you tell me when you were diagnosed with MS? Um, I was diagnosed in 1986. Uh, Initially, I had um, relapse and remitting, but it's moved on to secondary progressive. Mm -hmm. And were you noticing any symptoms before your diagnosis? Yeah, um, my eyes went a bit skew with um, the pupils w- wouldn't dilate and uh, I was getting some sort of weird sensations down my, my arms, so mm-hmm. I went to uh, follow that up. Okay, did it take long from the first symptoms to being diagnosed? Uh, about nine months. Um, I spent some time in hospital, went through a heap of tests and uh, Eventually, they come up with MS, mm-hmm. which was yeah. So, what impact did that have on your life being given that diagnosis? Um, well, um, it was all psychological initially because the the uh, the symptoms um, weren't that bad. You know, after I was diagnosed, the eye still stayed the same, but the the tingling sensation sort of disappeared. But it was more psychological because everybody immediately assumed that you were disabled just because you had a label. Yes. Uh, which I wasn't. No. So were you offered any medication at that time? Uh, not at that time, no. Um, as time went on and the symptoms grew worse over the years, uh, yeah, I was offered, um, I went on to beat a fear on. And uh, that didn't really do much for me. Um, and it was a hugely expensive drug for not to not to help someone. It was costing the NHS about ten thousand a year, and it wasn't doing anything for me. So I told them and came off it. Right. So before and you, I mean, I have been on various. Sorry, I have been on various other uh, tablets and things like that. You know, gabapentin and these things. But the the one that was specifically meant to alleviate the symptoms, which I was most bothered by, was supposed to be the the betaferon. Mm-hmm. So before you found LDN, what symptoms were you experiencing? Um, well, horrendous fatigue. Um, my legs were really heavy, and uh, I was pretty convinced that um, I was going to be in a wheelchair imminently because things were just going on. A, and I always uh, look at it like someone put a snowball off the top of a hill and it just gets bigger and bigger as it's going down. Well, that's mm-hmm. how I felt. Mm-hmm. And the legs were getting weaker and weaker, so... Yeah, that was, that was how I it understand was. that feeling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so... Oops. Is that a fire alarm? That's all right. It's a, oh, that's a, it's a check. It's a, the weekly check. Ah, okay. Your drill. T- ten o'clock. Ten o'clock every <laughs> Tuesday. Okay. So... What would you have rated your quality of life on a score of 1 to 10 before you started LDN, with 10 being the best? Um, probably about 6. Okay. Yeah, probably about 6. 
And how did you hear about LDM? Well, I was through the MS website, and uh, just anecdotally, really, I've been talking to people um, at a couple of the MS centres here, and they'd mentioned it, and then I talked to my doctor about it, who was a bit sceptical, um, hadn't really, you know, didn't, wasn't too keen to uh, prescribe it from a, you know, given that it was it was not a registered treatment for, for MS, so, um, and the way I, I got around that was I'd actually looked at something else, and they end up offering me LDN instead. <laughs> I'd actually end up offering me LDN in addition to this. I oh, went to the, the Essential Health Clinic in Glasgow. Uh, I was looking at um, a, was for all the, a CCSVI uh -huh. um, a procedure, you know, to unblock your the arteries. Yeah. And um, the the doctor there, Dr. Gilhooley, had mentioned LDN, and that was always going to be my fallback position. If I didn't feel I wanted to do the uh, CCSVI, then the, the, I had a fair idea that he would offer me um, LDN, which he did, which I took. Very good. And that so was about three years ago, I think. Oh, that was my next question. Two, okay. two years ago, probably, yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you started, did you notice any side effects? Nope. Uh, well, I think the first couple of days I was a bit sleepy, a bit tired, but mm -hmm. uh, um, which seemed to be the opposite of everybody else, though. Everybody else seemed to think they were, you know, kept them awake, but uh, didn't have that effect on me. But I did notice an improvement within seven days, a big yeah. improvement. Goodness. So what did LDN help with? Well, my legs just felt lighter. Um, mm -hmm. They felt stronger. They felt uh, as though they could actually hold me up, um, which was a, a big difference from like a month previously, where they were like heavy and dragging. Um, mm -hmm. I could stand and balance and um, swing my two walking sticks around, actually. I mean, I couldn't move without the walking sticks, but... I felt I could move with confidence. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and what would you say your quality of life is now on that score of 1 to 10? No, well, I'd be up to about 8, but bear in mind that um, I, uh, I'm very demanding of myself, so you know, I, would, I, would, I, would, <laughs> I would expect 10, but <laughs> it's definitely improved. It's definitely improved because of the... You know, I think it's, it's one of the things that's kept my working. Um, and it's kept me out of a wheelchair so far. Although, and of course, it's difficult to quantify now because because I'm on it. Uh -huh. I don't know how bad I would have been if I wasn't on it. Yes. You know, it's a, it's a difficult thing to to quantify. Mm -hmm. And what would you say to other people who are contemplating trying LDN? I would say go for it. I've told everyone that would listen to me um, to go for it. Uh, that uh, there's nothing to lose and lots to gain. Other the prospect of lots to gain, because uh, it's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned, and it's well worth 17 pounds a month to uh, to get something to, to to feel better and to be able to carry on a, a better quality of life. That's the, that's what's happened to me anyway. Well, that's really good. It's a very positive story. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, not really, just, I mean, I'm in a, a really quite a demanding job, and uh, I don't think I would be in it if it wasn't for this. I mean, mm -hmm. okay, I've gone down to four days, but I think that's maybe laziness. Uh, but uh, it's, um, 
uh, yeah, I think it's the thing that's kept me going. And that's what a stupid thing, you know, the government uh, won't want to write if you license this drug and they want to give it to you on the NHS. But they're screaming for you to get to get a job, and this is the reason. I mean, I'm, I'm this is probably saving them fifteen hundred pounds a year, yes. uh, because between so I worked it out, you know, between the tax I pay, um, plus, uh, you know, mortgage interest, all the stuff, and and uh, tax and everything I pay, and then add on to that foot, they'd have to pay me if I was on benefits. It's saving them fifteen hundred quid a year, you know, you know, cause I pay. When you say fifteen hundred, do you mean fifteen thousand? No, 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 1500 I mean, a month. That's what I meant. 1500 right. a month, because oh, I pay right. 600 yeah. quid a month. I pay 600 a month in tax. Mm-hmm. I pay 290 quid a month in national insurance. So that's 890 pounds that they wouldn't get. Right, And yes. uh, then I've got, then they'd have to pay my, my a mortgage interest. They'd have to pay my uh, ESA or whatever. And so it's costing them 1500 pounds a month just to, uh, you know, for, for for turning around and saying, well, we're not going to license this. Now, how many times has that been repeated? And exactly. It would be a massive saving, but, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I just don't understand it. It's just, it's like, you know, like for example, I know I'm off track here, but, you know, they're going to wait. Uh, um, for example, I know some people who rely on their DLA for, you know, for a car to get to work. Mm-hmm. And the same's going to happen there. You know, they'll lose their car, they can't work. So it's going to cost fifteen hundred quid a month. No, they've done that to save two hundred. It's mm-hmm. asinine. I don't yeah. see the. I don't see the. I'm maybe too logical. But I don't see the the, the the saving with that. But there you go. What do I know? <laughs> Thank you very much, Gary. I'd like to introduce Catherine from Spain, who has multiple sclerosis. Welcome, Catherine. Hi. Could you tell us? when you first started getting your MS symptoms? I was diagnosed in 2000 and that year I'd had a number of strange incidents of, of, of pains and loss of colour to my vision and, um, and, and none of which sent me to the doctor until one day I got out of my car and I don't drive by the way, somebody else is driving mm-hmm. and I suddenly had double vision and that time I was living in Asia, so it was a very strange situation because there is basically no more MS in Asia. And it's now slightly more than there was because people stay indoors more, but at that time there wasn't any. And um, it, it, it was, double vision was, I thought, well, it's a block sinus or something like that. But eventually I went to, they sent me to see a, a, a neurologist because they reckoned it. My, the doctor in the medical centre showed me a page where it said double vision in his book of symptoms. And, and I read them and I thought, I don't want any of these pages, thank mm. you very much. Mm. <laughs> they all look really serious. Mm. So, um, so they sent me off to Singapore, which is a centre of excellence. And then I had an MRI, MRI uh, test the next morning. And then I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was just a number of odd, sort of every six or eight weeks or so, or uh, I'd have... Every two or three months, I've had an odd, an odd, an odd episode, which would last about six weeks, and then something else would happen, and it was just that was just life, I suppose. I just expected odd things to happen because of, <laughs> I'm a woman, and <laughs> odd things happen. <laughs> so, how did it make you feel being diagnosed with MS? Um, well, um, 
I thought immediately, okay, right, I'm going to go and buy lots of books. So I said to my neurologist, can I go across the road and buy lots of books? And I was idly thinking of, of how everybody would be running after me and I'd be sort of lounging around. And, and then I realized that my husband was sweating and he's trembling. And so I, I stopped that train of thought and became extremely rational. And we went and bought books and I calmed him down. So I spent the first couple of weeks making sure that he wasn't anxious at all about it. <laughs> so I didn't allow myself to be anxious. I just thought, <laughs> well, we'll just get past one thing and then another thing. And actually mm-hmm. that was quite sensible in a way because um, if you just leave something long enough, it goes away on its own. So, um, I mean, in terms of panic. And I'd had a friend who was my singing teacher who'd been diagnosed with PPMS. It turned out she didn't have PPMS in the end. She had huge disease. So... <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. It was a bit of a strange coincidence. So I did know a little bit, but I went and read everything I could possibly find. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt okay. I just thought, well, you know, this isn't necessarily going to happen to me, whatever it was I read about in books. Very optimistic. So did your symptoms... <laughs> what am I trying to say? Mm-hmm. Let's start that question again. Okay. So did you your MS advance? After you've been um, diagnosed? Yes, it got really bad uh, in for the first uh, the first two months. It was it was awful. I, I, I'd walked into the hospital and with my double vision, and two months later I could barely crawl. Uh, I was so ill. I looked like I was a zombie. I was so I looked terrible. I felt terrible, and that was it. It wasn't saying it was advancing. I was just being hit by one attack after another. And I think that was the steroid treatment which left me open to infections. And this being Asia, infections can be, it's not exactly the most healthy place in the world. Mm. Um, and uh, I got hit with infections, which then triggered another relapse uh, with more like attacks. And by that time, I was I was numb from the waist down and I, I had to go to the limb to go to the loo every hour or so so that I, so I could get to my blood. I could do it, but I couldn't feel it full. So I basically lost mm. all sense of feeling. Mm-hmm. And the continents was there, but it, it was it was um, by the by the book by the hour rather than um, me feeling the urge to go to have a pee or something. Yeah. And at that point, they said, um, I think you should try and start some sort of um, drugs. But the only drug you can start is Rebus because it's the only thing that's licensed, and it's because there's no MS in Asia, so you have to start Rebus because that's the only thing it's licensed for encephalitis. <laughs> so, <laughs> and. Mm-hmm. To my enormous surprise, it worked, and I did stop it and calm it down. And it's possibly that it, I don't think it, I think with the steroids and then getting hit by one infection and then another and getting weird ones that only babies should have. I think it would have carried on. And every time I have a relapse, I have different different symptoms. So um, it gave it a chance to recover. Mm-hmm. So how did you find LDN? Um, well, I had a friend at the time. Uh, it was, this is this is 2000, and um, in, the MS on the internet was kind of just there was it was big. There was the internet forums in America, but there weren't really anything much. There wasn't really anything much in the UK. Um, and I joined Julie's Joint, and I met a, a guy who was um, a man who was living near where we used to live. Um, well, he was living in Yorkshire, who had been on LDN for a number of years, and he. Um, he was telling me about it, but I didn't. I didn't find out really about it. It's about 2001, 2002, before we came back to the UK. Mm-hmm. And if had I asked my neurologist in in Singapore about it, he'd probably looked it up and said, "Yes, go ahead, take it." 
but I didn't know about it. <laughs> so then I was stuck in this sort of limbo of you all just don't know anything about it, and um, and then you've got doctors who disagree with the doctors who disagree with each other who do prescribe it, and so I, w- I was left knowing about it, but being told not to take it under any circumstances because it would do something terrible to my relapsing remitting a mess and it wouldn't work and and it was all wrong but now we know and then then we didn't so (laughs) things have improved a great deal since then um and uh, when did you you start ldn uh two i i I tried it for a a while in 2005 and i thought that um um for some reason that it might help, but I, and it didn't really seem to do anything at the time, and it was only for a month, a couple of months or so. And then I, I started in 2008, and having bought some um, from from a pharmacy in in America, I'm not sure whether I should say that, but anyway, <clears throat> I stopped taking Rubis because I ran out because we moved to Spain, and so I started on LDN. I had to make my own and titrate it, and um, we came up with a formula for getting the right dosage. And so it was 2008, mm-hmm. about October, September, October, 2008. Are you still there? Mm-hmm, yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought I'd lost you. Um, <laughs> okay. So I'll when you first you. started mm. LDN, okay. When you first started LDN, did you notice any side effects? Um, wonderful dreams, amazing dreams, the best dreams in the whole world, and that was pretty pretty quick. That was within the first week or so, and I really did quite enjoy that phase. It was like being in a movie. They were good dreams, interesting dreams, not bad ones. And then after about two weeks, I realised that, that my urgency, I had a slightly urgent bladder. It, I just wasn't waking up in the night to go for a pee anymore, and. It, this was, and then I suddenly realised that I had absolutely normal bladder function. There was no withhold, no, no, no retention, no urgency. As I say, an amazing story, and thank you very much for sharing it with us. I'd like to introduce David from England, who uses LDM for multiple sclerosis. Thank you for joining me, David. Yes, a pleasure. Could you tell us when you first noticed there was something wrong with you? Well, it must be 30 years ago, in the um, just before I, um, just after I got married in '97. So it's uh, almost 30 years ago, and um, it was it was when we were going out. I'd uh, I get um, five minutes down the road, and I'd say to the wife, I'd, I'd I have to go back. I want I want a wee, and she said, "Well, you've only just been." I said, "Well, I want to go again," you know, and obviously my. Um, my, my bladder was starting to play up, and uh, and I used to play. Um, I was I was very good at football, and I used to play football with my brother's two two sons. And on a Sunday afternoon, when they were when they were making tea for us, and uh, one Sunday afternoon, uh, I was playing keep ball with them. In other words, they had to try and get the ball off me, which was often impossible. But that on that particular afternoon, I kept giving the ball away, and my brother thought. What's the matter with David? Is is he been is he been on is uh, he been drinking or something? Because he's not normally like that, you know. Because mm-hmm. my my, fi- my fa- fine motor skills weren't quite as as fine as they should have been. I I thought nothing of it. I just thought that it was a oh, well, I'm, I'm having a bad day, you know. 
I was only about I was only about thirty years old then, but so I still thought I was having a bad day. Mm-hmm. But um, he never said nothing to me, and uh, but he, he mentioned it to his wife. He said, "Well, there's something not right about David. I don't know what it is." But anyway, and 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 uh, they, these were the, the first little signs that something weren't quite right. And then uh, a few years later, in uh, 1990, I had um, I was walking through town one day and uh, with my wife, and I said, "I I, I can't see out one eye." And she said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well." My eyesight's gone all, all fuzzy in one eye. Anyway, I went to the um, optician, and um, they looked in my eyes, and they said, well, you've got nothing wrong with your eyes, Mr. James. And I said, well, I can assure you there is, because I can't see properly. So they referred me to the hospital. Anyway, I, I went to the um, local Ipswich Hospital and uh, eye department, and, uh, and it had to go for all these numerous doctors looked in my eyes and, and, and blah, 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 and they said, well, there's nothing wrong with your eyes. I said, look, I'm, you know, I'm not coming up here for fun. I can't see anything. And they said, no, you, 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 well, this, this consultant said, well, do you, do you want a few weeks off work? I said, do you? I said, no, I don't want a few weeks off work. You think I'm, I'll waste my time coming up here? I can't see. He said, well, there's one more test we'll do and that was a, a checkerboard test. And, uh, of course, I'd done this checkerboard test a few days later and uh, went and saw the consultant again. He said, well, you've, pro- you've probably had a virus, but your eyesight will probably come back. And that, and that had, to be honest with you, it had come back. And um, he, he didn't believe me that there was, at first, he, he didn't believe that my eyesight wasn't perfect. I said, I'm going to assure you my eyesight was perfect. I, I was a crane driver at Felix Says Ox. And um, uh, you have to have um, eyesight like a fire pilot to drive one of those cranes. Mm. And uh, we were tested every every year for our eyesight. And uh, I managed to obtain the test results from the medical department at the Felix Dock Railway Company. And I was like, there you go, doctor. This is my eyesight test last a few months ago. And he looked at it and he and he. He didn't know what to think, and he said, "Well, you probably had a virus, but that'll, that'll go away and and get on with your life." And um, of course, I got on with my life. But um, in the meantime, unbeknown to me, uh, they sent a letter to my um, GP saying that I probably had multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. But um, my GP never told me, and uh, I, I went back to my GP three years after that, which would have been 1993. With, with numbness in my hand, and one of my hands went numb. And, of course, my GP said, well, we've been waiting for you, you to return because, you know, you do realise you've got multiple sclerosis. I said, I said, I said well, I, I had a fair idea that something weren't, something like that was going on because it is in my family. My my auntie has got MS and my cousin's got MS. And, and uh, on my mum's side, there's... Um, there's all sorts of nasty things, you know, Parkinson's, MS, and and lupus, and and also in autoimmune conditions. So um, I had a fair, I had a fair idea that that um, something was going on. I've always put it to the back of my mind, and so he sent me for a lumbar, lumbar punch, and, uh, and that confirmed the diagnosis. But um, and uh, and uh, that that was my early stages of MS, and that was that's a long while ago now. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, they offered me uh, on the trial of interferon, 
Peter Interferon, which was, uh, which was going through trials at that stage in the early 1990s. And um, to be honest with you, it nearly killed me. It's awful stuff. And um, and uh, I started to, my, my warping started to, to get worse and worse and worse because of this, this toxic drug I was given. And um, when I went to, when I went to give, give blood on one particular occasion, they couldn't get blood up my arm. The blood was so thick, it was like glue. And I remember the consultant saying, oh, your blood's, your blood's thick, Mr. James. I, that's, I said, well, it's not normally like that. I said, it's normally like water, you know. You, it just gushes out, you know. And, the, and then it suddenly dawned on me, well, this, this stuff they're giving me can't be very good. And, um, and of course, this was before the Internet, and I couldn't really do a lot of research. In fact, there was, there, at the time in the early, in the early 90s, there, there, was no, there was no way of finding anything. That's like, that through word of mouth or, or something you read in the newspaper. There was, uh, the, the Google was a distant future, you know. And, um, but now there's so much information, you can, um, you can, you can self-help yourself. And, uh, and, of course, that's what I've done in the, in the preceding years. You know, I found LDN 12 years ago. From a, from a website from America, I think it's Doc Doc Bahari. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but Bahari. Bahari is that? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for correcting me. Um, a, a New York doctor who pre, who prescribed um, LDN for um, for MS, and, I, and of course I joined the Yahoo group. There's a Yahoo support group for this, and um, I made up my own mind. I thought, well, I, I need some of this stuff. So I started to import the pills from um, from um, Mexico, as I think the the, the trade name is, is Revia or Revia, um, and uh, I, I dissolved it, dissolved one pill, 50 milligram pill, and 50 50 mils of water, and used a syringe to. Can, can I just stop you there, David? Okay, go on then. I can't use that bit. Because is that illegal? Uh, is it? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, okay. We, we, we would have uh, the book thrown at us, so uh, I would you? I can't use that. Yeah, that that bit. But if you just say that you you, if you can go back and just say that you've used it since, whenever, um, and and then explain. Um, well, well, you, well that, that's how I managed to get it prescribed because 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 I'll, I'll tell you now. I went to my doctor and told him. I'm going I'm to import it from Mexico, and I want you to put it in my notes. And he said, well, you can't do that. I can't let you do that. I'll, I'll do an off-label off, um, uh, off, off, off prescription, which is what he done 10 years ago. Well, how long? 12 years ago now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 10, 12 years ago. So, so ever since then, I was one of the first people in the... In, uh, in my surgery, in my local surgery, in it switched to, to, to be prescribed out the end. There's been other since, but uh, but um, and so I sort of like bribed him, bribed him into prescribing it because he was, he's not supposed to because the nice guidelines state that that hasn't gone through the um, uh, research. Yes, but any any doctor can prescribe it, as you were saying, off label. Yeah, he, he prescribes off label because yeah. you know yeah, I, I, I sort of like um. I sort of like I sort of like um, almost made him do it really, because mm-hmm. he's there to protect my um, safety. And if he was 
if I was doing something was quite legal, blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, and um, but, but in the meantime, I've been doing hyperbaric oxygen as well. And uh, for, I've been doing that for 15 years, and that, that has been a great help. And that's kept me fairly... Um, Fairly level now. I, I mean, I, I, my, my walk and I walk with a walking frame, and uh, I stumble about the house. You know, I, you know, I walk around the furniture. But uh, I've had MS now for thirty years, so I'm, I'm doing quite well, really. Probably longer than that. But I mean, considering that um, it is a progressive illness, and 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 no two people are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, LDN has has definitely improved my bladder. Uh, there was a time when I was, I was having accidents. I was having accidents at night. I'd, I'd, I'd sometimes I wouldn't actually weed the bed, but I'd, I'd have a little discharge in the bed. But but since LDN, those those days are gone, you know. So um, and uh, LDN is almost like a happy pill, really, because it's almost like a um, because as you know, it blocks the it blocks the endorphins, which makes your body tricks your body into producing more endorphins, and endorphins helps your body heal you know if you go for a run if if you get an athlete who goes for a run they do so much damage to their to their limbs and muscles and and that's why the body produces endorphins to help the body recover from the run so if you go so you can run again the next day mm-hmm. which is very similar to what hyperbaric oxygen does because it's um it oxidates the muscles and uh and uh Helps you um, helps you train again. In fact, we have a we we've got a footballer in Mark Schultz at the moment. He's trying to cure his hamstring. So the the combination of different things you can do, which you don't have to take toxic drugs like disarbury and interferon or whatever or whatever names they can come up with, which cost an enormous amount of money and and I think they just have limited. Uh, have a limited use. In fact, all they do is make um, rich people even richer. But that's another story, you know. <laughs> because there's no money in LDN, they don't care. There's no money in oxygen, they don't care. So it, 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 the world now is down to follow the money. And uh, that's all it is, unfortunately. When you first started LDN, David, did you notice any introductory side effects? Not really. What try? What, what? Yeah, I was a little bit, a little bit achy, and um, uh, I went up. I got. I went up to four point five milligrams, but I found I was suffering a little bit more cramps in my legs. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've dropped back to three, and the sort of like the cramps of um, yeah, daytime cramps have subsided. I, I still get cramps, but they're probably down to neurological rather than than the LDN, and I and and I find that my level is at three milligrams. Yeah, but other people can tolerate higher levels, and uh, nobody's nobody's the same, and uh, and that's the only that's the only side effect. That sometimes sometimes if I take it too early, I have I have trouble falling asleep. But if I leave it right to the last minute before I go to bed, I find I can get to sleep quite easily, really. Mm-hmm. But that's the only thing I've I've, I've found whether. It, yeah, it's more like what 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 what's happening. I don't know because of it, but, but that's the only side effect. And so the side effects are 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 totally tolerable, and the benefits you get from it are 
far outweigh the side effects. But there's so many people in the world taking it now. I mean, when I first started taking it, there was only a few thousand probably. But now I've seen hundreds and hundreds of thousands. Exactly. And that number increases every and, day. And I'm pretty sure the superstars take it as well. <laughs> you know, people like um, Madonna and Miss Paltrow and, and, the, and the rest of the A-list celebrities. Because they're, they're, not, they're not daft. You know, they, they, they see all the, all the best alternative doctors in the world. And... Um, and I'm sure they're being put, well I'm, I know they take hyperbaric oxygen and, and things just to make them keep young looking for, a long, for as long as they possibly can mm. because um, you know my hair I've got I've got hair of a 20 year old but um, and I'm 60 years old so hey ho you know and um, I've got no lines on my skin and, and people say how old are you I'm 60 and I say you can't be sixty. So well, I am sixty, <laughs> and my wife and my wife takes it as well. She takes it, LDN, and, and she's sixty-three, and she looks about forty-three. So some so something is going on, and uh, whether us in the genes or not, I don't know. But may, maybe some of it might be part of your your, your mum, but that can't be. And uh, she takes oxygen as well. She does oxygen therapy, <laughs> but um, and. Uh, there's things like that, and so yeah, I'm, I'm just trundling along quite nicely, really. I've been retired there from from work for for 20 years. Uh, I, I was, um, I, I, as you know, I was, I was a crane driver at the docks at Felisto, and I had a occupational pension, and they, they they gave me a pension and a payoff, and they said enjoy your retirement. I go and see a doctor in London to make sure it wasn't. I wasn't blackmailing my my neurologist in Ipswich, but um, uh, as you know, that probably does happen. And uh, and uh, I've, been, I've been retired for 20 years, and and I'm, and I'm quite happy being retired, to be honest with you. Well, thank. I had a rat race. It's a bit of a rat race now, as you know. Yes. Well, thank you very much for sharing your story with us. Really do appreciate it. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.